Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Every week we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. After a month full of warm, nourishing bread, we're celebrating the first full month of spring. So pucker up and get ready for some tart and tasty treats. That's right, it's Citrus Month. We're kicking it off with the perennial favorite lemon bars and talking about the basics of baking with citrus. We'll also share a few of our favorite TNT citrus recipes, as well as the gadgets that help us out whether we're zesting, peeling, or squeezing our favorite fruit. So put the kettle on and get ready for some sweet and sour talk. Stefan, I don't know if you've been shopping lately, but I do believe that the department stores have received the memo that it's Citrus Month. (laughs) I agree. Everywhere I go, I see lemons on handbags. I see lemons on sweaters. And I have to admit, Andrea, this may not surprise you. I own quite a few citrus-themed outfits (laughs) already. Oh, that does not surprise me. I was so tempted. The first store I was in, I saw lemon pants, and I just thought they were adorable. They were white jeans with the yellow lemons all over them. And then I turned the corner, and even cuter, a pair a lemon overall dress. Now, I did not buy this because, you know, it's one thing to look at a whimsical outfit on the rack and, and think it's cute. It's another thing for me to outfit myself in a pair of lemon overalls. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Let's just say my daughter gave it the big thumbs down. But I also thought there were some sweaters uh, that had it. But I did notice that it does seem to be lemon is the prominent theme. I did not see the lime, the grapefruit, or the orange so similarly represented. And I'm curious, why do you think that is? Yeah, that seems really discriminatory. I don't know. know. (laughs) Or why didn't you have a selection of citrus fruits on your charming overalls? I don't know. We'll have to dig some more into that, but um, it did also make me laugh in preparation for Lemon Month. I have been buying a lot of, I'm sorry, listen to me, Lemon Month. See, it's it's like, it's there a stereotype. Go. It's mm. in my head. In preparation for Citrus Month, I have been buying a lot of different fruits and bringing them home. And one thing I always buy every year is Meyer lemons. And I wanted to share with our listeners in case they're not aware of this. If you buy Meyer lemons in the grocery store, when you pick them up, they will be yellow, like a typical lemon, a bit deeper and darker yellow than what you're used to. And if you bring them home and don't bake with them or cook with them right away, they will continue to ripen to the point where they're a lovely light orange. And imagine my uh, delight the other day when I got a text from my husband. Uh, Well, maybe it wasn't delight. It was more chagrin. And the text said, you know those little oranges? (laughs) Guess what? They're not oranges. (laughs) 
Uh, to which I replied, nope, you're right. Oh, Those are no. Meyer lemons. Sorry oh. about that. So, oh, what an experience. <laughs> yeah, he said he had a feeling because, first of all, peeling them <laughs> was sure. extremely difficult. Yes. But he soldiered through that. And, and the smell, he was like, huh, this is a lot sharper than I'm used to. And, oh, no. you know, the minute he put lemon into his mouth, it was like, oh, my gosh. So, um, uh. listeners, <laughs> keep your family away from your ripened Meyer lemons. Do not let them think they are eating oranges. They will be a bit disappointed. Well, Andrea, it is our 70th show. Wow. Oh, my my gosh. This is an incredible number to have reached. And listeners will remember that one of my baking resolutions for 2018 was to go through and organize my massive backlog of print recipes. And I all of the clippings from newspapers and magazines and circulars and everywhere it was just getting out of hand and I thought this is the year I'm going to do this now Andrea I was really heartened to see recently that our Facebook loyal listener Emily had listened to an episode in which I was talking about my favorite chocolate chip cookie recipe which is a Martha Stewart recipe called Carolyn's chocolate chip cookies that's a lot of names I know (laughs) and and she said it made me think I think I tucked that away several years ago and she went to her massive collection of clippings and she found it and she made it so I was just that was such a heartwarming story and Emily thank you so much for posting that on the Facebook group and letting us know that you had dug it out and tried it and had loved it so I'm not the only one with this problem no, you guys and your binders. It's not a problem. It's just a system. I love it. She was able to put her hands on it. So it's working. Well, Emily may be more organized than I because mine is just a selection of loose loose things in manila folders with vague uh, organizational titles. I'm not. I'm. This is a progress. This is a work in progress. But I have done kind of a first pass and I just wanted to share what has worked for me so far since this got such a reaction when I posted this on our Facebook group. Lots of people are, are kind of in this boat with me. So the, the overarching question I asked myself as I was going through was, is it right for me right now? Well, right now I live in London. I don't have a barbecue. Mm-hmm. There go all my barbecue recipes. Okay. I don't have my soda stream. Here go all my homemade sodas. Mm-hmm. Here is my slow cooker and my ingredients that I can't get readily here. That made that very easily. So mm-hmm. is it right for me right now? I got rid of a ton that way. What a great question to ask yourself. I mean, that because there's other changes in people's lives that don't require a move, but maybe they're trying to cut back on the amount of sugar or maybe they're um, not doing dairy anymore. So I love that idea. That's a great question to ask. Yeah, I thought it really helped focus me in a good way. Mm-hmm. But then here's the other thing, and I'm no means done with this project by a long shot, but here's what I've noticed, Andrea. This was essentially acting as a time capsule, and I had recipes there from, I think the earliest one I found was from 94, so I was still in college. Mm -hmm. I was collecting recipes. I mean, this is a lifelong pursuit. Yeah. Here is the time capsule of the food trends that Stefan has enjoyed in the last 20 years. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. Oh, I'm so excited. Stefan loves oatmeal. I love it overnight oatmeal. I love it in granola, Uh baked, porridge, Uh steel cut, in bars, in breakfast cookies. I love frozen bananas with caramel on a skewer, covered in chocolate, covered in nuts. (laughs) I love anything with parsnips, pumpkin, cranberry, rhubarb, 
I love sangria. I love spiced nuts. And I love chard. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let me ask you. This is, I am so curious about this. Do you truly love parsnips and chard? Or is that aspirational, Stefan? Is that like, one day I'm going to start cooking these unusual healthy vegetables for my family. So I better have some good recipes stored up. No, I truly love both of those things. But here's the problem. I'm the only person in my family who does. So I have this huge stack of things that are not right for me right now because I would be making them solely for for myself. Right. And, you know, nothing's lonelier than a parsnip and chard dinner. (laughs) You eat by yourself. My my lonely parsnip (sighs) mash. Yes. Well, my parsnip story is short and sweet. I went to a wine dinner where the chef also made a meal, and I had parsnip soup. And that was my first time having parsnips, and my husband and I both thought it was the most amazing thing we'd ever had in our life. We thought, how did we not know about this incredible vegetable? We got home. We emailed the chef. We asked for the recipe, and he graciously gave it back to us. And lo and behold, I mean, this parsnip soup, which I think served eight to ten people, had two sticks of butter and a quart of heavy cream in it. So we realized it was not necessarily the parsnip (laughs) that we loved. I mean, it could have been leek soup. It could have been onion soup. It would not have mattered because of the amount of cream and butter he put in this thing. So I need to get back into parsnips. I have occasionally chopped them up and done them on a tray bake, like a roast with other vegetables. But that's pretty much my extent of uh, experimenting with parsnips in the kitchen. Perhaps I should have sent many of these to to you, Andrea, because there were a lot of things like, like you would think of a carrot cake, but it would use a parsnip instead. Something like this. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. and the minute you said the homemade sodas, I, I almost spoke up and said, oh, I wish you had sent that to me. But I also know that it can be a real barrier to people when they are cleaning out if they start trying to repurpose things because that then just creates another project, right? Like, okay, I'm not going to throw these away because Andrea might want these and I'm not going to throw these away because my brother might want these. But then that makes an- more work for you. You have to find out if we want them. You have to put them in an envelope. You have to mail them. And then, you know, your project now is not happening. So I think it was smart that you yeah, just you just moved on. And I'm certain if I do a search for homemade sodas, I can find plenty of recipes out there on the internet. Yeah, it's a good point. And and I also just wanted to let people know of this kind of funny, you know, these trends that kept popping up in what, what I was looking through and throwing out in that I had thought it would be this fairly arduous task and it would just not be any fun. And instead, it turned out to be really comical and really funny and really enlightening about me and my tastes and how they've changed about food trends because all of these magazines were printing the same types of ingredients at the same types of year right. for the same number of years. So there was a big element of entertainment in it as well, which I had not expected and was really nice. I just love that it was like a little culinary time capsule for you. And I also love imagining just all the different things you were thinking you would be doing with bananas. The simple, humble banana. (laughs) And let me tell you, how many ways can you make sangria? Apparently... Quite a few. You know, one of the entries at Pie Fest was a poached pear sangria pie. So perhaps <laughs> that is one way in which you have not considered using sangria. But I do believe she used the sangria to poach her pears because they were a beautiful sort of pale pink color and layered on top. They were gorgeous. Well, I did not run across that particular recipe, but now I'm going to have to go find it and stick it back in my folder. <laughs> 
Moving on into this week's Bake Along, to kick off Citrus Month, we decided it would be really fun to do lemon bars. That is, of course, a classic citrus treat that so many people love. I, for once, took the lead on sourcing our recipes. Uh, That is usually Stefan doing all of the heavy lifting on that side. And I have to tell you, I fell into a lemon bar rabbit hole on the internet. Oh, my gosh. For something that you think is so simple, there are so many recipes out there for lemon bars. I had no idea. I have for years used Ina Garten, Barefoot Contessa. Yeah. She has a very Mm -hmm. straightforward lemon bar. It makes a ton. Uh, You know, it's very rich, very Ina. And that's been my go-to. So this is nice to have this other variation here. Yeah. And I think I told you, I kind of had narrowed it down to two, both from more recent authors. I had looked at the recipe from Tartine, which a lot of people really liked, and it did have pine nuts in the crust. It was very different. I ultimately ruled that one out in favor of the one we did select. It is from Stella Parks, and she is the author of Brave Tart. I have been dying to cook from this cookbook, mainly because I think the name Brave Tart is so cute. The best. (laughs) I know. I love it. (laughs) I just love it. I love it. She is the woman who I think um, on our Facebook group, you might have noticed a little discussion about some homemade Oreos going on. Uh, Yes. Yeah. She's got some great recipes. And I think Food 52 recently selected her as their author for their Food 52 baking club. So I got to see a lot of people baking her recipes and seeming to have a lot of success with them. This recipe is more, I would say, traditional in a way. Uh, it, the crust is flour and sugar and salt and lemon zest and some butter. And then the custard layer or the lemon layer does not use cornstarch. And that was something that appealed to me. Again, I'm not anti-cornstarch. I just sometimes think I can taste it. Mm -hmm. And so I like to try and do things that do thickening without cornstarch. So that custard has three large eggs. And then hold your horses here, eight egg yolks. (laughs) And so you do a little math there, three eggs, eight egg yolks. Yes, folks, we are talking literally almost a dozen eggs. This was my main hesitation. Um, One carton. One carton. Um, Some sugar, some salt, uh, of course, again, some lemon zest and some lemon juice, also from eight large lemons. Yeah, so I was a little bit nervous about using an entire dozen eggs, but then I just thought, well, what the heck, you know? (laughs) You've got you've you've got almost a dozen lemons to go side by side with it, so that's going to cut into the flavor. And you know, I think the thing that's nice about lemon bars that I've made in the past is you can cut them fairly small and still feel satisfied. Yes, they have that nice richness. They they really do satisfy with a bite size. So I I see that this is made in an eight by eight, mm-hmm. but uh, you know that doesn't mean you're making nine of these necessarily, unless you want to, which be my guest. Uh, but you know it it can be a very satisfying small bite. Her instructions actually say this will make 16 two-inch squares, so I will probably try cutting them that size or even a little bit smaller due to the richness of this. So listeners, we would love for you to bake along with us on these lemon bars. We are pretty excited about it. Yeah, and remember, we'll have a link to this recipe, which is from Stella Parks, the Brave Tart author, the Sunny Lemon Bars, We'll have that on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as on our Pinterest and Facebook pages.
All right. Well, Stefan, we are going to jump into a little bit of citrus talk here. <laughs> and uh, I am going to stick with the good old lemon. Uh, maybe that's why the clothing manufacturers do it as well, because people are familiar with it. And I'm going to be using my, my lemon as my example of some of the different parts of a citrus fruit. But of course, this applies to all citrus fruit, uh, whether it's an orange, a lime, a grapefruit, or something even more exotic. So when you are thinking about the peel of a citrus fruit, it has two layers. The outermost layer is called uh, the zest, and that is the yellow part of the peel or the skin on the outside of the lemon. Okay. And it's usually shiny. It's very bright. It's textured and bumpy. And, you know, that's what you see when you're staring at a lemon. Right. Underneath the zest is the pith. And that is the inner white part of the lemon. It's a fibrous membrane. It is directly below the zest, and it helps protect the fruit inside and keep it moist. If you've ever accidentally tried the pith, you will know it is bitter. Yes, yes. <laughs> and most recipes will say zest the lemon, but don't get the bitter white pith. Yes. So you're always kind of looking for that when you're doing your zesting. Make sure you don't go too deep. Underneath the pith, then, of course, you have the flesh, and within the flesh, you have the juice. And so I just wanted to talk a little bit about zesting and juicing and all of those exciting things. Stefan, do you have uh, any particular tips or things you want to share with us around zesting or juicing or grating? Oh my gosh, what what to say here? You actually <laughs> gave me my most exciting zesting technique when you came to see me last fall. You had been to your cooking class in Paris. And for years, I have been taking my micro plain zester, which I highly recommend. Those are about 10 bucks, I think, and really worth your time uh, and effort to go grab one of those if you don't have one. I was always taking the zester and running the citrus on top. So I'm right-handed with, with my, my right hand would have the, the piece of fruit. And you said, no, no, put the citrus on the board and run the <laughs> zester over that. And then it contains it in the back half of the zester. Mind blown. Kitchen revolution. <laughs> I know. It was, it was pretty exciting. Oh, that was a pretty exciting moment. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way when you told me that I could freeze lemon zest. Yeah. I had never really realized that I could do that. And so now, you know, whenever I'm using lemon juice in a recipe, which I use lemon juice a lot in my entrees and my main dishes, I go ahead and I zest yes. the lemon first. I freeze that outer layer of zest and then I, you know, cut my lemon and do my juicing. And I'm thinking back to all the lemon zest I've wasted over all the years and I had no idea. This recipe we're doing this week is, is a perfect time for that because we have eight large lemons and you need the zest from some of them, but not all, I believe. So you can zest that off for another time. Yeah, definitely. You can, you can save it. You can actually freeze lemons. I found this out. I personally have never tried it. The whole lemon. You can freeze a whole lemon. Ah. I think I read this in What's Cooking America, one of those great regional resources that you had led me to. Yeah. And she said that it's really good if you're going to be juicing lemons. You can take it out. You have to let it defrost naturally, or perhaps you could pop it in the microwave. And then it'll be nice and juicy, and you can juice it. I don't know that I would ever freeze whole lemons because I think it's 
just as effective if you have an overload of lemons or any citrus fruit to zest it and save your zest in a small container and then go ahead and juice it and save your juice in another container and freeze the juice. I don't know that I would freeze the whole piece of fruit, but it is an option if you want to do that. Have never tried that, although I have heard the tip about microwaving. So this would be a room temperature fruit. If it's feeling a little too firm, you can first of all roll it on the counter and that kind of breaks up those fibers within the flesh and that will mm-hmm. sometimes give you more juice but then I've also heard you can just nuke it for I don't know 20 seconds and that yeah. does kind of a similar similar thing so I've never I've never tried that but I know that it's a tip some people really like so listeners we would love to hear about your tips some of the things that you love to do when you're baking with citrus um, tell us what some of your favorite citrus desserts are and feel free to branch out from lemon we'd like to know about all your citrus desserts Yeah, so Andrea, what are some of your favorite other citrus desserts? (laughs) Well, of course, this is supposed to be my favorite citrus desserts, and... um You will hear lemon a lot. I am a lemon nut, okay? To the point where when I was in high school, my high school dentist said to me, Andrea, you have got to stop eating lemons. They are destroying the enamel of your teeth. Yes. I love them. I would literally eat them. I just thought they were so good. So a couple of my favorites. Number one, I love a shaker lemon pie. These are made with Meyer lemons. So I typically do it. Meyer lemons are in the grocery stores in my part of the world, usually around January, February. You take those Meyer lemons. They're a little bit sweeter than regular lemons. You slice them incredibly thinly, and you put them overnight in a mixture of uh, sugar in the refrigerator. And so overnight, it turns into this wonderful syrup. And then you bake. That is your filling of your lemon pie. So it uses the whole lemon. Oh, yum. It's so good. And the reason the shakers came up with this, I found this so fascinating, is that they did not like to waste anything. Mm -hmm. And I believe this is when they were living maybe in Ohio or Pennsylvania. I'm not quite entirely sure of kind of the origin of where they were, but they weren't able to grow lemons on their own. And they were getting lemons from my hometown, New Orleans. So I think that's another reason why I, I saw a lot of shaker lemon pies down there in New Orleans. Okay. And they would get those lemons, and being such a a thrifty folk, they were not about to waste anything, so they figured out a way to use the entire lemon. And we have a little teaser. We have a recipe that's going to use the entire lemon later this month, too. So We do a new one, something I've never heard of, so that's going to be exciting. I love listeners who have been with us uh, at the end of our first year know I absolutely love the lemon drizzle cake. This is something that Stefan introduced me to. Drizzle cakes being very popular in London. I do not see drizzle cakes as much here in the U.S. Or if I do, I think they're maybe called syrup cakes. Um, It's just not, not as big of a thing. But I am just a huge fan of them. I think they're the best thing. So that's back on episode 45 if anyone wants to go back and listen to me rave about the lemon drizzle cake. <laughs> the lemon drizzle cake recipe that, that Stefan introduced us to is made in a loaf pan. I also have turned up from New Zealand some sour cream lemon syrup cakes. So this is just kind of a mini lemon drizzle. 
I love it because, as you know, I love all things mini, and that helps me with portion sizes. And I do like the sour cream in this one. I think it adds just a little Mm. bit of tang that's really nice. Mm, That sounds really good. My final thing that I love, and I know our listeners are fond of this too, that's the Dutch Baby. It is a great brunch item. And when it comes out of the oven and it's all puffed and golden, it's the most beautiful pancake you've ever seen. I love to squeeze lemon on top of it and a little powdered sugar, and I just think it's one of the best things in the world. We did talk a little bit about the Dutch Baby on episode 23, if you want to go back and listen to that as well. Those all sound so good. I have some lemon favorites as well, but I want okay, to I give can't wait to hear time to the lime because I love the lime as well. I do too. I do too. I can't wait to hear her. Well, my favorite key lime pie is from a place called the Blonde Giraffe in Key West, Florida. The Blonde Giraffe, I looked for years for a recipe, could not find one, finally recreated that recipe. And I talked about that back in episode 15, maybe. Um, And that actual, uh, my original recipe is on the website. So if you want to look for that, it is a short crust pastry not a graham cracker crust pastry which is one reason I really like it then it has that very tart key limes are not like a Persian lime which is what you would normally see in the grocery store key limes are very very small they are often sold in the states in like a mesh bag because you buy them in a in a big quantity juicing them can be a real ordeal but they are just much a sharper right. flavor and are really worth it if you're making that kind of a pie. So I just am a huge, huge fan of a key lime pie. I just, as I'm sitting here, I just, I'm gonna, where am I gonna find key limes here? Do you think they have them here? Do you recall the phrase that you use when you tried to describe what it's like to juice a key lime? Milking a cat. Yes. <laughs> Still. One of my favorite expressions, I think of that often. And I was wondering if you could get key limes or Meyer lemons in London. What's the verdict on that? Do you know? I think Meyer lemon is a better shot than the key limes, uh, but I need to investigate further. Yeah, I do. Um, I'll keep you guys posted. And it'd be interesting to see if there is something else. Like, you know, obviously the Meyer lemon is something they bred to have a different type of lemon that was sweeter and, you know, a little bit softer than that sharp bite of lemon that we traditionally think of. I mean, it'd be interesting if there's something like, I don't know, you know, a Yorkshire lemon or something that has a different flavor. Mm. So yeah, get on that. Now, would that be harvested by candlelight as well? (laughs) Side by side with their little rhubarb soldiers. I love it. (laughs) So that's what I really love. Uh, Listeners will know that on uh, my husband and my first Valentine's Day, I made a lemon meringue pie for the man and had to make the meringue by hand so that will always have a very (laughs) sweet spot in in our hearts I've made a lemon cornmeal cake for years it is an old woman's day recipe and it is a polenta cake baked in a bunt and the thing that I really like about it is in the notes of this recipe it says you can do all of a lemon drizzle it's one of these kind of lemon drizzle-ish in that you poke the hot cake and pour over the syrup okay Uh, you can do it all lemon or you can do a combo of lemon and lime and I really Mm. like that so if you just have a a go-to lemon drizzle mix that up with some other citrus fruits too it'd be equally delicious great idea And then finally, I would be remiss if I did not mention here London Institution Fortnum and Mason, which we went to for tea, Andrea, when you were here. Oh, yes. I recall. They have a wall of preserves. It is just this staggeringly beautiful thing. (laughs) 
And they have every curd known to man. They have lemon curd, lime curd, tangerine curd. And I was there uh, recently and they had a rose and champagne sparkling curd. So I'm going to have to check that out as well. That really doesn't have too much to do with citrus. Oh, but that's got your name written all over it. Oh my gosh. Lemon curd is really fun to make. I mean, essentially, that is what we're making in this week's bake along in the uh, the filling for our lemon bars, and so it's it's a citrus uh, juice base, but then has butter and egg yolk as well. That's such a popular condiment here, and is something I've always loved uh, making. Also, yeah, I've never made a lemon curd. I know back when I had an an oversupply of lemons, I was asking people what to do and, and numerous people mentioned lemon curd. So and I, I love lemon. So I, I think my problem has yeah. been I don't know what to eat it on. So you are you eating it on a scone or on a biscuit or are you eating it like with a spoon straight from the jar? I mean what 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 do you use it in? Yes, yes and yes. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, well there's my answer. <laughs> yeah, it's great on an English muffin, on a crumpet, on a scone. Okay. It's it's just it's just divine and it's it's much heavier than just like a jam okay. because it has that butter and egg as oh, well. Okay. So So you keep it in the fridge. Yes, it will go bad. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Good to know. Oh, oh, I know. Well, that's gonna definitely go on my list of things I need to do. Well, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get this episode onto the cooling rack. Next week we'll keep the sun shining by reviewing our sunny lemon bars and introducing you to a yummy coconut tapioca pudding with mango and lime. Ugh, I can almost feel those tropical breezes. Thanks to Anne Marie Russell for supplying our theme music. You can find Anne Marie at AnneMarieRussell.com or download her on iTunes or Amazon. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, and Twitter, where we're Preheated Pod. If you like our show, please do tell a friend, and we hope you'll consider jumping on to Google Play or Apple Podcast or Spotify and ranking and reviewing our podcast. It really does help other people find us. Until next time, I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.